You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Well, we're in week two of our series involved, as I already mentioned. Last week, involved in community. This week, how, how can we be involved in the needs of others? And so we have uh, a guest speaker. His name is John, Dr. John Kirkby. And he comes from the United Kingdom, and you will tell that quickly because he has something called an accent. Uh, although he might not think he does, we, I would identify it as that. <laughs> and he's a significant uh, uh, communicator. Last night, even or the, our first service, wow, what a story, friends. What a story of transformation. What a story of redemption. And he founded a ministry called Christians Against Poverty. And uh, it is now global in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Canada, and they're just ready to open a center in the United States and Chicago area. Uh, they have helped more people get out of debt. Uh, last year alone in the UK, 26,000 people. But they do it all in the name of Jesus. Pretty powerful, their story and how they operate. And we're, we are privileged to have them, and we will be partnering with them to open a debt center here at our church, helping people get out of debt. We take serious our calling to be a part of social change in our city to impact it, and we're taking steps towards it with an organization we really believe in. Open your hearts, open your minds, put your hands together, and let's welcome Dr. John Kirby. That's great. Thank you. Great. Great. Good morning, everybody. How are we all? Oh, a few of you are okay then. Do that again. How are you all? Great. I enjoy the piles of snow here. Man, you've had some snow. Great. Well, thank you for uh, the opportunity, Jonathan, for the welcome um, and the privilege of uh, speaking to you this morning. Um, I'm going to speak to you about uh, my own story. I'm going to speak to you about the journey of Christians Against Poverty. I'm going to let you know, as you will no doubt gather, I believe that no life is beyond the redeeming power of Jesus Christ to change. Amen. Look at your life. Amen? Okay, or is it just mine? Jesus is able to do abundantly more than you and I can ever dream and imagine. He's in the redeeming business. He's in the business of changing lives. And that is the heart of who we are and what we do, as hopefully you will see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I lift everybody in this place. Father, not by might or power, but by your Holy Spirit. Father, welcome. Father, I pray that you would give people eyes to really see from your perspective what you want them to see, ears to hear what you want them to hear, minds to be changed to understand what you want them to understand and hearts that are open to receive from you individually and we particularly lift up those in this place who may yet not have accepted you into their life fully. We pray that they would hear your call and your love for them as we spend time in your history of my life and the work of CAP. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. So before I share my story and the story of CAP, just please hear this really loud and really clear. Anything that I'm going to talk about, anything that is amazing, anything that has grown any life that has been touched, any community changed, 
any person who's found Christ, any church that has gone out to its community, anything that is of any value or good in, in, in my life or what we do, listen, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Anything good in me and in you is from him, amen? And we need to know that for him to flow through us to other people, and I pray you will see that. So my testimony, unsurprisingly, speaks of the entire work of Christians Against Poverty. It speaks of our why. My early life was um, idyllic, really. I, I was a little bit late. My mum described me as a pleasant surprise. I was the much longed-for son uh, of my father. I had two sisters much older than me. Um, this picture kind of sums up my early life. So here's my dad. Uh, he caught all the fish, by the way, but let me take them home. Good dad. He was kind and generous, uh, gracious, a great influence on my early life. Um, we were inseparable. Shortly after this picture was taken, aged about nine, uh, my father became uh, terminally ill and our idyllic life um, was simply shattered. Um, within a few years of this picture, uh, you can take it down now, I suffered quite a lot at school, so I, I suffered from dyslexia. They deemed me personally to have, uh, I think they would call it special needs, um, and yeah, I was introduced to alcohol, clearly broken-hearted at what I was watching my dad go through and my mum, and somehow left school at 16, relatively uneducated, and yeah, became... A very mixed up, um, broken young man. I was very angry. I was very violent. I was involved in some things of which only by God's grace have I been forgiven. At 18, my dad died. Within a few months of his death, the authorities came to the house. And due to my mum's massive uh, breakdown at the loss of her life partner, uh, they basically took her away. I was 18 and nine months. They closed the file, walked out of the house, and left me. It was the first time in my life I experienced real loneliness and very broken, and still not in a good way. I needed a better job than the one I already had. The job I had was a lidder in a paint factory. Now, for you who won't know what one of those is, it's a lidder in a paint factory. Yeah, I was really good at it. I still I can do it now, look, I can still do it. It's great. So I did that. So the only way was up. There's only a better job. And I got a job. The story ends okay. I got a job as a debt collector. Um, I've been on the streets. I understood the place I was working in. But somehow I managed to do pretty well and worked my way up through the finance industry and for a kid who came from where I came from I did really well ended up being part of a team who would build <coughs> UK finance companies I was really well paid big bonuses big house nice Mercedes married two kids living the dream if only that were true underneath that veneer of success do you remember the young broken man that I told you about? He was still there. Um, I wasn't the best husband 
uh, my first wife deserved it. I wasn't at the time. My daughters have insisted I say that. At the time, the father my two beautiful girls deserved. I lived really wrong and poor. I borrowed money. I got involved in unsuccessful businesses. Um, and I basically lost everything. Uh, I lost my marriage. I had to move out of home. And everything came tumbling down. Everybody abandoned me apart from my mum who did her best. Um, it was pretty, pretty grim. I'm going to read from my autobiography. Um, so this is basically my diary. <coughs> it has been spell checked, by the way, just so that you can be encouraged. And if you do find any spelling mistakes, then don't bother telling me because that's not the idea of the book. Amen? It's my life story. Okay, it's a rip-roaring story. If you want a nice, easy holiday read, this is not for you. But if you want a rip-roaring journey of what Jesus Christ can do with a broken bloke, yeah, then this is the one for you. It charts the whole story of camp. But I'll read this bit. So obviously, I only knew that had happened. I had no idea of that. And this is what I wrote. I'm gradually falling apart. I'm completely broken. I'm living in a shell. I'm shattered. I'm lost. I'm trying to look after Jasmine and Jessica. I live in this one room. When the girls stay, they sleep on camp beds. Here I am crying, looking at both of them asleep next to me. The word destitute is often overused, but that's what I became. Utterly devoid of any spirit, hurting, lonely and very afraid. We're a very poor family. It's a real struggle for me. I'm mixed up and broken. What will happen? I'm trying desperately to support my ex-wife while paying off debts. It's utterly crippling. I'm broken. I'm afraid. Here's the picture of where I ended up. So this is where the room we lived in. These are the two camp beds. These are the disgusting sleeping bags my kids slept in. Um, we were really poor. Um, not just poor financially, but poor relationally. We'd been abandoned by everybody. Um, I know what it is to be a father to where your two girls stop asking you for anything as you go around the supermarket because they know the answer is no and they know the shame you feel as a father. I know what it is to have Christmas Day with my two little girls trying to make it something. Bacon sandwiches, that's all we could have. I know what it is to shop and put things back on a shelf and be judged at a checkout by people. I know what it is to feel broken and ashamed of your mistakes. I do know all about that. But in the middle of all that, I met this guy who'd met a guy. I met someone who'd met Jesus. And Jesus had poured his compassion into this guy. And this guy showed me and my two little girls. He showed me the love of Jesus Christ. He didn't judge me. He cared for me and he had no reason to care for me. He just cared because... He cared. I remember inviting me and my girls for a barbecue and I was so ashamed I couldn't take anything to the barbecue and he said, just come along and these acts of kindness, you won't be surprised he invited me to church. I heard about this guy called Jesus and 27 years ago yielded my heart to my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and he came in to my life and my life pivoted on that one decision. The first couple of years were grim. I believe I was probably the worst baby Christian in the history of baby Christians. But probably some of you this morning could give me a run for my money. So. 
Here's me being baptised. By the way, moustaches were fashionable then, just letting you know. And they're fashionable now if you've got one. <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep going. Um, okay, uh, lovely picture. Um, this girl here is my eldest daughter, Jasmine. She's looking on and watching her father begin to live again. Um, that fist is probably the first time um, that fist was used as a proclamation of hope. Hallelujah. I had hope. Hope had entered in. Praise God for that. Over the next few years, um, my life really prospered. Um, I got involved in local church. I saw God change so much. I remember the first time I had a home where my girls had their own bedroom to sleep in. Remember the first time I could buy them some sweets and a magazine. It was amazing as I got my own debt sorted out with my experience. Then I met Lizzie, my second wife. Um, everything looked great, but a few weeks before I, we were to be married, I felt a real sense of God saying, okay, Johnny boy, do you remember when you were in that room with your two girls, you said, if I got you through, you'd do anything? By the way, I never pray those prayers anymore, just so that you know. <laughs> Don't pray those prayers. If you do this, God, I'll do this. By the way, the sincerity is wonderful, and I know he loves it, but be careful. Amen? And I knew in my heart that it's a no-brainer, but of course I was about to be married. I told Lizzie that evening, awkward evening, hi, Lizzie, we're getting married in 18 weeks. I'm going to give my job up to help the poor, and we've got no money. She said, I'm not marrying you for your job. I'm marrying you for you, I'm marrying you for who you are. And we'll do it together, so we did. Um, well, I gave my job up and we started CAP in my home office. Somebody gave us 10 pounds, which is about 50,000 Canadian dollars, by the way. <laughs> Here's a picture of me in the office. Oh my gosh, those glasses. Yay! Again, fashion statement. If you've got some, they are fashionable, trust yourself. Okay, relax, God's in charge. He is. And also, you may not even be able to see, but I couldn't even spell the name of the charity. Christine's Against Poverty, we could have been called. But listen, it's not how you spell it. It's how you live it. It's how you show it. It's what the world is looking for. And that's what I attempted to do. It's been a miracle. Um, I've seen thousands of miracles. You'll be able to read of so many in this book. The amazing story of how God has grown us. I've seen thousands of miracles and people say, well, how come you see loads of miracles? I'm sure they mean it to be encouraging. Maybe. Listen, I've seen thousands of miracles and I'll see some in the next few weeks and the next few years because I've put myself in a position where I need a miracle. Amen? If you want to see God move, you put yourself into a place where you need God. Amen? Not yourself. Put yourself in a place where he needs to turn up. Put yourself on the edge where you're out of your comfort zone. Put yourself in a place where you need a miracle. And I tell you, my God is a faithful God. Amen? And he will meet you. Do not live a beige Christian life. Amen? Okay, if you like beige, it's not a bad color. Live a life of faith and hope. Stretch. Give God a chance to do a miracle. Two years into the ministry, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven in many ways. We had a few, a couple of centers, um, and yeah, 
we were going well, but our circumstances were dire. We are just about to lose our home, our own home. We were about to use it. Somebody had offered us to live in a caravan in their back garden, which my wife, at seven months pregnant, had suggested I went back to my God and asked for a slightly better place to have our first child. Anyway, <laughs> he did come up, as you'll hear, with about three weeks to go with a home for us to have our first child in. Because God is an amazing God. I wrote this, can I carry on paying the price if cap is to remain small and I'm going to have our house repossessed and be destitute for the rest of my life. Hallelujah for being in ministry. And I put this, I believe the Lord will provide for us. We'll not live a destitute life. Our debts will be cleared. We're going to build a ministry that's going to help thousands of people. I'm going to have enough money to live, pay my bills, decent life for me and my family. I can feel my spirits lifting, writing those truths down. The enemy has no defense against the promises of God. Can I have an amen, please? So we just got on with it. We just got on with it. You'll read it in the free. The book is free. We'll let you know how you can get that. So what's happened? Well, it's been amazing. So in the UK now, we have 630 church-based centers. We have 330 full-time staff working at our central office in Bradford, servicing our centers. We have 1,000 frontline workers in the UK alongside those 300. We have 10,000 volunteers and thousands and tens of thousands of supporters. We see over 24,000 individuals every year now um, being reached by CAP. Thousands going debt-free every year. But also, not only do we help people out of debt in a remarkable way, in a world-class way that's free of charge to the most vulnerable, is we're also Christians against poverty. Amen? Our Christian faith is embedded in who we are. We believe everybody should be given a chance to find Christ, that no life is beyond his redeeming power. We offer to pray with everybody. We invite people to church. We only work through the local church. No church, no cap. It's God's plan A for society's revival, and we want to be in that plan A. And we see every day, this is in the UK alone, between four and five people yield to the love of Jesus Christ every single day. I think you should clap that. Four or five people being given a chance to live again, amen? Forgiven, restored, brought into a local community, finding friends they never had, realising God's got a plan and purpose for them. It's amazing. We're in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, we're here in Canada a little bit more in, a, in a, a few moments, and we're also launching in the States. So we've been here in Canada for five years. We've had a tough five years. It has not been an easy road, as it never is an easy road. However, over these five years, we've now got a bridgehead into Canada. We have proven that our system works here in Canada. After much hard work from a group of people, both in the UK and here in Canada, we now have an amazing system. We're seeing an increasing number of churches wishing to partner with us. Hundreds of people are joining us to support us financially. We're beginning to see this bridgehead grow. And it's taken time to get this debt counselling work. It's free of charge. And in Canada, it really works. Now, I could do a five-day conference on debt counselling, which perhaps one of you in the room would enjoy. Um, I wouldn't. However, um, CAP is unique. And, yeah, it's astonishing when you see the church do something really well that's not been done before, which is offer this amazing free debt counselling. We are fully authorised now by the Canadian Association of Credit Counselling Services, a very catchy name for an organisation, I'm sure you'll agree. And this is what their CEO said. This is their words, this is how they wrote. CAP's unique approach to supporting clients through home visits is refreshing 
and CAP's dedicated support for the family's well-being is unparalleled in Canada today. Amen. The church is doing something that is unparalleled in Canada today. Amen. That's the kind of church I believe Jesus wants us to be a part of. Amen. A church that can do things better than other people, that's got a compassion and a heart that actually changes people's lives. Amen. And that's what CAP Canada is doing. And that's what we're going to do as we expand and grow. We've seen 61 individuals already go debt free. These are our first ever clients that we've helped over the last few years. I dedicate a team with 13 staff in Hamilton just down the road from here. Although with your traffic it takes about three days to get there. <laughs> Boy, your traffic. How can you have a motorway that's got that many lanes and it's full of cars? That's called a car park in England. It's great. And with 100 families joining them on their way to becoming debt free. No one's doing what we're doing. It's free, it's authorized, it's effective. We don't pay people's debts. We, we work with the creditors, the lenders to get interest reduced and stopped, reduced payments accepted. We have a payment system that's now embedded in with your banking system. It's a phenomenal thing. However, the main thing about what we do is we've got Jesus Christ embedded at our heart in who we are and why we do what we do. We're evangelistic by nature. We offer to pray with everybody. We share testimonies, we invite to church, we encourage discipleship. And over five years, these people who have found Christ have proved yet again that God is wanting us with our partner churches to show people his love and seeing people saved is part of who we are because it's part of who I am. When I think of what God's done in my life, just to think that that's available to everybody just blows me away. And until the last breath in my body, I will serve my living God to see as many saved as I can, as quick as I can, anywhere I can. Just got to do what we can to see people. Here's us celebrating in the UK. We do lots of celebrating. So this is Matt Barlow, uh, a CEO, worked with me for 20 years. He now leads CAP uh, in the UK and around the world working alongside myself. And there's the 8,000 in the background. That was two days after we celebrated the 8,000th individual who'd found faith through Christians Against Poverty in the UK. I think that deserves a clap as well. 8,000 people, wow. God is able to do abundantly more than you can dream or imagine, amen? A broken bloke living in one room with two kids on camp beds that he can't feed and Jesus gets involved. A couple in a bedroom office with 10 pounds who can't even smell, spell the charity. And 20 odd years later, 8,000 individuals find Christ, 620 centres. And that's just our debt counselling work. In the UK, we've got lots of other things we do as well. God is able to do abundantly more and our future is assured in Christ. The final piece of the critical jigsaw in Canada was and always will be in every country. Is our vision compelling enough? Is our work good enough? Does it deliver enough for, for Canadians to support our work by becoming regular givers? We have been overwhelmed by the generosity of the Canadian church. I mean overwhelmed by their generosity. We have over 900 individuals already giving on average $30 a month, a dollar a day to help our work. The generosity has been phenomenal. We've been blown away. This is Cap Canada. It is funded by Canadians. Amen? It's your country. It's your poor. It's your church. It's your opportunity. We're here to facilitate that. And yes, we have sown significantly in to get us this far. But praise God for the fact that it's now Canadian. Amen? This is yours. This is Canadian. 
it's not UK. So what of a future? Well, here in the church, we're opening our debt centre. We're very excited about that with our staff in Hamilton. We're looking forward to launching and seeing lives changed in your community. And the future is exciting for us. Our overwhelming mission is to serve the poor, to save the lost with the church across the nation. Amen? Now, the across the nation is who we believe God is. We believe he's an across the nation God. Amen? I believe God's in the business of changing nations. And I've seen it with my own eyes in the UK. We have seats at the top tables in the UK. We're helping draft legislation to help the poor in a wider remit of poverty across our nation. We're seen as the go-to place to find out about what's happening with people's lives. We have huge influence up and down our nation. And that is what we believe here for Canada. We see no reason why the church in Canada can't show this nation how to change lives in a, on an industrial scale. Because I've seen it already. And I realised as I was preparing for coming over here, I looked at the kind of vision we have for Cap Canada. And it's roughly about 600 centres. It's roughly where we are in the UK already. So... I thought I'd give you a sneak preview of Cap Canada in 10, 15 years. And before you watch this and go, I'm not sure, okay? I understand that, that's okay. Listen, God's actually done this. And if he can do it there from nothing with what we brought to Canada this time and the acceleration we're seeing, don't limit in your mind and your spirit what Jesus Christ can do in your nation, amen? If I've got enough faith for your nation, you should have enough faith for your nation, amen? Okay, this is Cap Canada in 15, 20 years. Hi Canada, my name is John Kirkby. I'm the founder of this amazing thing called Christians Against Poverty. Welcome to our head office here in Bradford in the UK. I hope as you enjoy this brief tour of our work here, you'll be inspired and encouraged by our progress as we have been encouraged and inspired by everything we've seen over in Canada. Enjoy the tour of Christians Against Poverty. Welcome to Jubilee Mill, the home of Christians Against Poverty. In 1999, when Cat was just three years old, we bought this building as a statement of faith that God could do more with us than we could possibly imagine. At the time, there was just 20 of us stood right here looking at this beautiful old Yorkshire building at the heart of Bradford. We have three floors of staff dedicated to serving people caught up in the miserable grip of poverty right here in the UK. In 2006, the work of Christians Against Poverty had expanded so much that we couldn't believe it. Jubilee Mill was becoming full. And just as we'd reached that point, an old Roman Catholic primary school just over the road came onto the market and we snapped it up. Officially, this is our Jubilee Centre, but around here we call it our debt-free factory. This is where over 23,000 people a year have their lives transformed by our debt advice service. It's where thousands of people each year reach that incredible moment of becoming debt free. That's 11 every working day. Families sat around their kitchen tables like I did all those years ago, knowing that it was over, that they owed no one any more money. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I can tell you it's quite simply one of the most incredible feelings to know that you are debt free and that's happening in thousands of lives every year through our amazing work here in the UK. 
Whenever someone goes debt-free or finds work or takes a step to overcome addictions or completes a life skill course, we celebrate. Harmonicas are blown, maximum waves are run the length of the offices. We believe in cheering on and celebrating every one of our clients who reaches these amazing milestones in their journey to find freedom from poverty. Whatever your involvement with Christian Games Poverty is, whether you are already a supporter or maybe you run a service, perhaps you prayed for us, thank you. I hope this short tour has encouraged you that in partnership with the local church, we are able to see lives radically transformed from poverty to hope. Our God is able to do abundantly more, amen? Amen, thank you. So our vision may be big, the problem may be overwhelming, but I believe God is able to do abundantly more and that he's called us here for such a time as this. In Isaiah 58 verse 12, and this is the message version, um, it says this, it says, you'll be known as those who can fix anything. Um, my passion, my heart is that the church will be known as a place that can fix anything. We should be able to fix anything, amen? With our resources of compassion and a Jesus who cares on our side, we should be able to fix anything. And whilst I know the problems that poor and needy people face are vast and massive, hey, we're going to be able to fix some people's problem of debt, of life sentences of debt in the next few months as we launch it. It says, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, and then it says, make communities livable again. That's what I want to see happen here, and that's what I want to see happen in all our work. When you consider a third of the people who come to us in Canada have either attempted or considered suicide. 67% have missed meals and 40% are in fear of losing their home. If you've ever experienced any of those three things, you will know that they are in great need for somebody to care who really knows what they're doing to really help them and that's what CAP do here in Canada. At the end of the day, the scale of vision is sometimes overwhelming and the scale of what God's done is overwhelming, but I started this thing to help people. I started this thing in a little office with a heart to help a few people. And it is for those people that I appeal to you to join in. You may never know the lives that you'll change by getting involved today, but assuredly they will know of a church that cares and a God who can, amen? We're just gonna watch this video. These are three wonderful CAP clients who over the last few years represent the ones that have gone debt free and the ones that are working forward. This is why I'm here. This is why I want you to get involved. This is why we're opening a debt centre. We're doing it for people, amen? Let's watch the screens. Being in debt made me feel like I wasn't really worth much. I always felt alone. It's uh, something that uh, consumes you, a nightmare. It was almost like uh, drowning in quicksand. I didn't know what to do. I felt very isolated, very ashamed. I actually uh, got very, very depressed. Maybe it would be better if I didn't wake up tomorrow morning just because of how much debt I was in. I got myself into a real jam with credit cards. Daily, I would get so many phone calls and I stopped answering the phone for a while, which just made matters worse. Then came the threats by lawyers. It was like each one of them had a shovel and they were digging a deeper and deeper and deeper hole for me that I couldn't, it was taking away the light from my life and the hope. 
got to a point where I couldn't pay anymore. I just, even the minimums I couldn't handle. All I thought about 24-7 was how am I going to get out of this mess. So it just kind of progressively got into a cycle I just couldn't get out of. Then I found CAP. It took me three weeks to even work up the courage to be able to call them. And I was just worried that I was going to be so judged. That first phone call uh, uh, to CAP actually was, uh, it was a help right off the start. I didn't feel like I was being judged. She understood my situation and uh, she gave me some hope that uh, CAP could help me out with this. And uh, for the first time, I actually felt like somebody was on my team. When I called CAP, I finally felt listened to. CAP accepted me for who I was. I felt as though I was normal. The best part about CAP is not having to deal with the creditors and being able to have them speak to CAP representatives instead of constantly calling me. CAP has made a big difference in, uh, in, in my life. They became a buffer between the creditors and myself because I, I really had no solution. When um, I started uh, working with Christians Against Poverty, I was able to see how God still cared about me and that he was there with me every step of the way as well. I realize now that without him, I would still be in that big financial mess. I don't even know if I would have still been here, to be honest. Cap brings scripture to life. I can see God working through Cap. And that is and has been very important and very dear to me. The practical support that I received from Cap, the availability, um, whenever I had questions or I needed to talk to CAP, uh, there was always uh, people there to take my call. The other thing that I gained from CAP was an introduction to church. I noticed that CAP, you know, like they're godly people helping others. And I could learn a lot from that. I spent a lot of time in my life being selfish, not helping other people as much as I could have. Now I start to see the worth in it and uh, I want to be like that. I feel much better and much more confident and much more serene, which is important to me because I lived a lot of anxiety and things like that and um, God seems to be washed away by Jesus. I'm just giving my will over to the Lord because of all this. And it, it all started with the debt and cap and, and, and you know, it's uh, mushroomed into this uh, great things for me. I would like to thank anybody who's made any kind of a donation. You are really doing a good work. You are participating in God's plan and you are helping so many people. There are people going debt free because Christians Against Poverty has taken the time to do this for us. Thank you for being Christians Against Poverty. Thank you for being Christians Against Poverty. Thank you for being Christians Against Poverty. Yeah, for Prit, uh, Lauren and Michelle. Praise God we're here and praise God we're able to help other people like those. So, 
as I draw to a close, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I mentioned uh, a free copy of Nevertheless. As I said, it's not exactly relaxed reading, but you will enjoy it. Um, this book is free. Um, I'm not absolutely sure now we have enough for everybody to get one, but we will give all the ones that we've got away. Um, to get a free book, it's really easy. Uh, we want to we connect with you. Um, if we're going to give you a book, we want to connect with you. We want you to... Yeah, share in our news. We'll keep you updated on email of our progress. To do that, we need you just to complete one of the forms you're given on the way in with your name and your details, email, phone numbers, simple form. And it goes like this. Form, free book. No form. Oh, quick here. Only taken three times, Jonathan, and you've got it now. So we just want to keep in touch. Amen? I think that's a good deal. Free book. Keep in touch. This book is free. However, and again, I want to say a huge thank you to you, Jonathan, and to the generosity of the church to allow me to invite people to get involved in the wider work of Christians Against Poverty. First of all, this is your home church. It's really important. This is a place that you need to give into first. Amen? This is the place where your tithe and your generosity needs to be focused in the work that you're already doing in the community. However, Christians Against Poverty rely 100% on people supporting our work. And it's a really easy thing for you to do. CAP invests thousands of dollars in every one of our centres. We receive no government funding. We refuse to compromise our values. Regular givers are the lifeblood of our work. And as I said earlier, we have over 900 who are already supporting our work. And to do that, it's really simple. When you hand this form in, um, you'll meet the Caps Canada staff. They're here en masse. They've come up from Hamilton. They will take that form from you. Um, as you turn that form over, there's an opportunity there. All you really need to do is tick that top box there. The guys will explain how you become a life changer, how you give. And as I said, the average is a dollar a day, $30 a month. I just want to make this really clear. Um, if you could afford to give a dollar a month, amen, please give the dollar a month, okay? No one gets left out because of your personal circumstances. If you can give a dollar a week, four dollars a month, it's fine. The amount is not important. But of course, there will be people here today. You are overwhelmingly blessed. You have a compassion for the poor. You want to see lives transformed and you want your money to do good and change lives. Maybe you could give some more. We have people giving $50. We have a group of people called Vision Sponsors who give $100 a month. Again, the team will explain all that. It's really, really simple for that to be done. So my heart is that you're encouraged, that you're inspired, that you won't just leave this place, that you will connect with the work of Christians Against Poverty. And also, we're looking for people to sign up at the, at the booths to get involved in being one of our support workers, going out and befriending people, and of course, the amazing work that you already do in this church um, to help the poor. Please, just get involved, amen? Just get involved. You remember that one guy who got involved in my life? And I found Christ. And all this came from one person's obedience to find a little bit of spare time, to spend a bit of time with a broken guy with two kids who lived in one room, amen? So don't limit what God can use you. But he can only use you if you make yourself available. So please make sure you don't leave this place without getting a free copy of this book. This will inspire you. Getting onto our mailing list and also being willing to give a few dollars per month. Amen. Let's just give a round of applause for Cap. And then I just want to finish with an opportunity to respond. Okay, I said at the beginning, as I prayed, I prayed for people in the room who, two groups of people really, maybe... You're here today, and when I talk about my relationship with Christ, it may be something that you, you'd like or you'd want, but you don't know how to get there or how to start. Maybe you're here today, 
and you have found Christ in the past, but the pressures of this world have dampened the fire for him and you're in need of, of recommitting and coming back to Christ. My best way to describe what this really means for me is to talk to you a little bit about my dad and how I believe in some ways he reflects my heavenly father. You saw how close my dad was when I was younger. You've also heard that as a teenager, I was shocking to my father. I brought things into the family, police, hospitals. He was dying with his son, disgrace. I held that for about 27 years and I had a great fear of asking my mother what my dad thought about me because I knew how bad I'd been and my mum got cancer she died um, just over 10 years ago but just before she died I summoned up enough courage to ask her the question knowing that my mother would answer it truthfully and I said mum what did my dad think of me before he died I, need, I just need to know before you go she knew Christ she was going to heaven and she just said John the truth was that your dad loved you no less because you fell apart in fact the more you fell apart the more your dad loved you the more mistakes you made the more he believed in you and wanted you to be different but his love for you never faltered and praise God for a father who would love somebody who was unlovable because I truly was but listen Jesus Christ my heavenly father and for many people in this room's heavenly father he wants to let you know that he loves you amen it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or where you haven't been it doesn't matter about your mistakes it doesn't matter about the shame the guilt you feel as a as a parent, as a mum, as a dad, as a brother, as a sister, as a child. Jesus Christ came for the lost and the broken. Amen. He came for those who were in need of a saviour, as I was in need of a saviour. So my heart is this morning. We said at the beginning, you joined in the prayer, that we wouldn't limit what God could do. Amen. So I'm going to believe this morning that he's going to be already touching a few people in this place right now. You will know that if he's touching you, as I knew 26 years ago when I sat and heard for the first time of a saviour Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for me that he rose from the dead to forgive my sins and give me eternal life the only thing is I didn't realise at the time what a transforming power he would be in my life to redeem it and don't forget no one is beyond the redeeming power of Jesus Christ can I have an amen I mean no one so we're just going to bow our heads I'm going to pray. We're just going to give a few moments of silence. I'm going to bow our heads and then we're going to give people an opportunity to just respond right where they are in the seat. I'm not going to bring people forward. We're just going to let people in their own space respond to Christ. Heavenly Father, all eyes are closed and heads are bowed. Lord, we lift your Holy Spirit right now. There are people in this room who they know I am talking to them. They feel your presence. They have a hole inside their heart that they cannot fill, that you can.
Father, we pray for people around us right now that you would just give them the confidence and the boldness to take that first step towards getting to know you as their personal saviour. Heavenly Father, by your grace and in your spirit and with your love, and I include everybody online as well who's listening and in the satellite church churches, Father, come on. Come to me, all you who are weary, laden and broken. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. Heavenly Father, we pray for these people that they're right now, as I look across this auditorium, that they would feel bold enough to look up, catch my attention and raise their hand. That hand is saying, I am here. The people here who need to make a commitment today to come back to Christ, to recommit their life, to follow him. If that is you, just open your eyes and look at me and just wave your hand. I'm not going to bring you out. I'm just going to pray for you. If that is you now, just raise your hand. I see that hand at the back there. I see that hand there. I see that hand there. I see those hands, those beautiful hands at the top there. You can put your hand down. I see that lady there. Just looking across here now. Come on. You know Jesus is talking to you today. Just take your opportunity to say, Jesus, here I am. Anyone else just needs to make a, a statement to Christ that they want to follow him and they want to recommit their life. Come on, you know who you are. You know the fire's gone down, but you do know deep down that Jesus Christ is real and he's got a future hope for you. If that's you, just raise your hand. Let me just see those last hands that are raising. Praise God. I see that answer. Anyone else? Five more seconds. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. I see that hand there. Jesus, thank you for your spirit. I see that hand there. Just coming back to Jesus, just recommitting. I've done it many times. I see that hand at the back. I see that hand there. That's a brave hand, sir. And that one at the top. And that one there. Three seconds. Jesus has got a bit of time. We're not going to rush this. I see that hand there. This is beautiful. This is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Keep praying if you know Christ. One more second. Anyone else? Last one. I'm going to pray for you. If you didn't raise your hand, that's also. I see that hand at the back there. It really is okay. Amen. God's big enough for you not being able to raise your hand. He knows your heart. Okay, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we lift everybody who's responded right now. Father, we ask that they would seal what they've just decided now. Father, if they are with someone who knows you and they need to confess that they've recommitted their life and want to come back to you, I pray they would do that before they leave this place. They go to the prayer room. For those who raise their hand for the first time saying, I want to begin my journey to know Christ, there are ushers, that are, there's a prayer space, there's a welcome team, there's many places you can go. Do not leave this building without someone else beginning with you the journey of walking with Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the lives transformed through your spirit this morning. And I pray God's spirit and provision for everybody in this place and this church in particular. Amen. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.